Good morning. As we begin with our first song this morning, let's do what the lyrics of the song are saying, please. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Live high in royal manner, it must not suffer here and thanks for coming I know it's, it's it's been a long week since we've been here but we're, we're so glad that everybody that's here is, is able to come and uh, I'd like to just share one thing with you real quick no wait a minute that's William forget that <laughs> and uh, lo love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul thank you
Before our prayer, <clears throat> before our prayer this morning, number seven, seven, please. <laughs> Dear Lord and Father of mankind, forgive our foolish ways. Reclose our rightful mind in pure lives, thy service find in Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we're grateful to have this opportunity to live in a free nation where we can come together, we can worship you, we can take a moment and ensure that we don't focus on ourselves in this very atomized world where we're often have our faces buried in our electronic devices and our phones and we've lost the ability to connect to others. Help us always recognize that we are part of a larger group part of your family and that your family needs love, care, compassion, friendship. Help us to be more aligned to what those things should be. Give us strength, give us wisdom. Father, we have many folks that are fighting with various health issues. We have everything from heart and kidney issues to strokes to COVID to viruses to knee problems to eye problems. Uh, to various cancers, to people just recovering from various surgeries and health issues. Father, we just ask that you be with each of those people and let them know that their struggles are not alone. Father, for those of us that are able-bodied and can help, let us reach out to help those individuals so that they see the care and compassion that Christianity is all about. Father, we ask that you be with each of us as we will be going through a lesson this morning, let that lesson be imparted on our hearts. Let us gain wisdom and knowledge that helps us be more like you to better reflect the goodness and glory that you have so that we may draw others to you. Let us not hide our light, but let us let our light shine and let us recognize that that light is yours. Father, we just ask that you be with the elders of this church 
as they strive to further your kingdom in this area. Give them wisdom and guidance for the decisions that they need to make as we look to expand in Titusville. As always, Father, help us, maybe even force us, to look towards you and keep our hand in yours as we go through this life. In Jesus' name, amen. To help prepare our thoughts and minds for communion, sing number 269. Jesus, you were all to me. Why did
As a, please, pray, please pray with me. Heavenly Father, as we come here to, to take these emblems that represent the sacrifice and, and the love that you have for us, Father. You know, as I was talking to my brother-in-law this morning, I, <laughs> I was pounding my chest on putting a rocket together yesterday and things that I was doing and uh, you know I didn't mention the, the best part of the day was got here at the church and uh, literally was cleaning the gutters out with my bare hands and father you know it felt like I was working on my own house doing something for the right reason and uh, I just felt like I was up on that ladder I know so many people have fallen off of ladders but I just felt so blessed to be up there and be able to do, you know, uh, something good, something for the family. It just felt like I was working on my own home. So as we take this bread this morning, let it give us strength, give me strength to, to, to keep, keep putting time and, and effort in the church. Um, everybody's working hard. We're trying to update things, Father. Just let this encourage me and all of us to 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 put you first um, outside of church and in church father so as we take this we give glory to you the sacrifice that you made to give us strength and to bring us together as a family in Jesus name amen friend me sorry With me, Heavenly Father, I'd like to thank you for the fruit of the vine that we're about ready to take that represents the blood that you shed on that cross, Father, that, that finished your vision, your belief, your love for us, your plan, your perfect plan, that this seals that is finished and what you said will be done. And we thank you so much for your love and the sacrifice. In Jesus' name, amen. And the uh, elders set apart this time. Uh, please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you how blessed we are this morning, Father, for material things. Blessed with all the teachers that we have. I've seen Charlie back there teaching uh, the young people this morning. We're so blessed that we have so many young people that are interested in hearing your word, Father. You know, all this, all this takes money sometimes, unfortunately. Um, I know you don't need our money, but it does help with the building and and materials and like I said, we're we're trying to update things. Uh, people are giving a lot of time 
And uh, Father, you know, if, if we give this morning, let's give with a, a grateful heart. As if we give our time, we do it because it's the right thing to do, and we do it with a, a grateful heart. And uh, just wanted to be mindful that, the, that we do have contribution boxes on the back wall there. So as we go through this rest of the service today, let's just think how grateful we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Today I'll be reading John 6, verses, verse 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. At this, <clears throat> excuse me. At this time, children and their teachers may go to their classes. Before Matt's lesson, let's stand and sing number three, please. Number three. <laughs> Hallelujah, praise
So today we're starting a new series on the I am. It's really going to be more focusing on the ideas of the I am's that Jesus talked about in John. But I wanted to set up today and really help you, I think, see um, when Jesus says I am, what does he really mean? He says I am a lot, but what does he really mean when he says I am? So the first question I want to ask you today is, What's God's name? Say it. Jehovah. Jehovah? Is, that, is that God's name, Jehovah? Well, I'll, I'll teach you a little something about Jehovah. Jehovah is definitely a name in the Bible, but the actual word Jehovah is not anything from the original translations. Did you know that? In fact, until the Germans added the J into the translations, you couldn't have had Jehovah. Oh, we're going to have fun today. Yeah, somebody's like, what? Go look it up. I try my best to never tell a lie up here. It happens once in a while, but I try my best. Go look it up. So what's God's name? Some Yahweh. Ah, we're going to talk about that in a second, but does he have many names? He is called many names in scripture, right? But what's his actual name? I have many names too. Some of you call me names. I don't even know I have yet. Hmm? Some of you are already thinking some of those names right now, like long-winded these are long wind. He's really nice, but he's long winded. Yahweh. Right? All right. Let's get into this real quick. Exodus 3, that's the beginning. Yahweh. You're not going to see Yahweh in this, but you are going to see Yahweh in this. You ready? Then Moses said to God, 
If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? Now let's do a little backstory real quick. Why is Moses nervous? Oh, I don't know. Last time Moses was in front of his people, the people of Israel, the people of Abraham, Isaac, right? Um, and Jacob, why, why would he even be nervous about seeing them again? Maybe because he was spending his time mainly with who? The Egyptians. Now, did he have a connection to the people of Israel? Of course he does, because he sees one of them being beat by an Egyptian and he gets so enraged, he kills that Egyptian and flees for his life because the word has got out. So here he is off doing his own thing and God comes to him and says, you're going to be the voice for me to my people and you're going to bring my people out of Egypt. And he is extremely nervous about that. Imagine being the people of Israel. What? You remember how? You remember how the Pharisees and the Jews, they would always question Jesus. And, and in fact, there's a scripture we're going to read a little later. I don't remember if I put that, this exact part because I had to be concise. But, you know, one of the things they do constantly to Jesus is they're like, you say you're the Messiah? I know your parents. I know your parents. You're Joseph and Mary's boy. Why do you think you could be the Messiah? Why do you say you come from heaven when you were born of Joseph and Mary? Why do you do that? In the same way, when Moses goes in front of the people of Israel, what do you think they're going to say? Oh, it's been a few years, Moses. But I know who you are. I remember the clothes you used to wear, the paint on your face. The royalty used to enjoy. Like you're not fooling us. So of course he's going to be nervous. Not just the people of Israel, but he's got to go back and face the Egyptians. And by the way, you walk into Egypt, you're a wanted man. Would you be nervous? You kind of don't have a side. No matter what you do, somebody is going to look at you like you're a traitor. So Moses wants something that's going to verify his calling. That's what he's asking for. He wants something that's going to verify his calling. So when I walk in, you give me the secret name of God. I'm going to tell everybody the secret name of God. And they're automatically going to know I'm from God. That's what he's looking for. What's your name? Remember also when we were discussing when Moses spent his time on Mount Sinai and one of the things he said to God after all that time being a leader of God's people, one of the things he says on Mount Sinai is show me who you are. I want to know who you are. I want to know your ways. I want to know how to please you. See, he still doesn't really know. Tell me your name. What's your name? What's your middle name? How many people in here know your middle name? 
How many people in here know, for those of you who are married and took your husband's last name, how many people know your maiden name? See, everybody's got a little bit of secrets. So God says to Moses, I am who I am. That's Yahweh. Okay? Now let's get into Yahweh for a second. I am who I am. That's Yahweh. In the Hebrew, does the Hebrew have a problem translating into the English? It does, doesn't it? They don't have what? They don't have vowels. Tell me one word in the English language that doesn't have a vowel. I wasn't prepared for that. <laughs> Thank you. It's not, it's not a word. That is not a word. Be careful. Ain't wasn't a word either for a long time. Uh, who said that? You're in the South? You're in the South, ma'am. Ain't is a word and so is y'all. Okay? Oh, I'm going to get fired up. No, but seriously... So we have these issues, okay? And part of the issues that we have is, even if you say Yahweh, if we're being honest, you don't know if that's really how they said it or not. We've added vowels, so we can say it in the English language. And some of you are going, Matt, you're getting really technical, because it's fun. Think about this stuff. You know the Jewish tradition, they say not even the Israelites actually knew the name of God. That in fact, the priest wouldn't even write the name of God. That very few of the priests would even know exactly how to say the name of God. That's how sacred the name of God was. So, at this point in time, who knows the name of God? But imagine you're Moses and you're in this moment and you're saying, look, I need verification of my calling. I need to walk in there and I need to have something to say that's going to show them that I'm from you. And God says, say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Hey, who sent you? I am. Why'd you come here? I am. What are you going to say when you get to the Pharaoh? I am. You ever, um, you ever seen that, um, that skit about who's on first and what's on second and all? Sort of what it feels like. Imagine when Moses stands in front of the Pharaoh for the first time. The Pharaoh thinks he's God on earth. The Pharaoh literally thinks that he is God on earth. And he looks at him and he says, Hey, who are you talking to me? On, on behalf of who are you talking to me? And Moses looks at him and goes, I am. I am sent me. See, don't lose the fact that we don't truly know the name of God. 
with the fact that what God is telling you is he is. He's always been. He will always be. He's the first and he will be the last and there will be nothing in between or out of the existence of him. He is. I am. Don't miss this. Because this is the biggest issue. In fact, in fact, why did they kill Jesus? Why did they kill him? What were the charges against Jesus? Do you remember? Blasphemy. What blasphemy specifically? What was the blasphemy? He claimed to be the Son of God. He claimed to be God. He claimed to be God. Yes, there's the Father. Yes, there he's him, the Son. But if you've seen me, you've seen the... Because I am... <laughs> The same thing as the one who sent me. All right. I got your attention. All right, John 8. This is that moment. This is that moment. This isn't the moment where the Jews decided, oh, we have to kill Jesus. They wanted to kill him before this moment. In fact, the first time Jesus steps on the scene and the crowds start rushing to Jesus, they're already in the background going... This could be a problem. How are we going to end this? So the Jews answered him. He's, um, he's actually, I can't get too far into this because one of the I am's is in John chapter 8. So I'm only going to give you a piece of the story today. But the Jews answered him, <clears throat> excuse me. Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon. So not only are they saying you're an illegitimate Jew, not only are they saying, hey, you're a half breed, not only are they saying, hey, you guys are the people who stole our religion but don't really know our religion. Remember, Jesus even said that to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. That's exactly what Jesus said to her. You talk about things you don't know, we talk about the things we know because we have. The word of God. We have the experience, the relationship, right? All right. So it's, are you a Samaritan? We got to be right. You're a Samaritan. You have a demon. Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. So if you dishonor me, who are you also dishonoring? The father. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Who's the one who seeks it? The Father, truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. This is going to come up again. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. They didn't say it like that. They said, now we know you have a demon. Ha ha. Gotcha. That's what they said. That's what they're trying to do all the time to him. They think they got him. Dead to rights. You must have a demon. Right? Abraham died. This is, the, this is their verification. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. What are you trying to say? Abraham didn't keep your word? What are you trying to say? There's all these people who literally died in the name of the Lord because they were speaking the word of God. Were they not good enough? They all died. 
You see, they got him. Oh, you think you're better than everybody? You're, you're better than everybody else that ever came before you? Aha! Only somebody with a demon would say that. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets died? Who do, who do you make yourself out to be? You think you're better than everybody else? Um, yes. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Or maybe I should say, yes, I am. Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. Think about this. This is the Son of God saying this. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say, He is our God. We have the same Father, guys. What's the problem? What are you so afraid of? What is it about me that scares you so bad? But you have not known Him. That's the problem. I know Him. If I were to say that I do not know Him, I would be a liar like you. Oof. You ever think you want to have a conversation with Jesus? Has anybody ever thought that? Like, wouldn't it be nice to just talk to him once? Have you ever read the conversations he has with people in the Bible? Some of them are like the easiest things in the world to preach. And then others are like, whoa, probably wouldn't want to be the other guy on that conversation. He said, I would be a liar like you. But I, knew, I do know him and I keep his words. Your father Abraham rejoiced. Look at what he says to them. How bold is he being in this moment? Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. All them times in the scriptures that you've read in the past that talked about Abraham rejoicing, looking forward to this day. They're about me. They're about me. That's what Jesus is saying. He saw it and was glad. You think you're upset because you think I'm, you think I think I'm better than Abraham? All the joy of Abraham's life that made him do all the hard trials and the wandering that he did to leave everything he do to never actually see it and grasp it for himself, but to be the first of many building blocks to get to this point we're at right now? Yeah, I am. I am greater. And Abraham knew it. That's what he just said to them. So the Jews said to him, you're not yet 50 years old. Hey, young man. Settle down. Getting a little ahead of yourself. You are not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? Has Jesus seen Abraham? What do you think? Was Jesus just a part of God that showed up all of a sudden in the New Testament? Hey, I'm here for the first time. Oh, he's been there from the beginning. You're only 50 years old. Actually, I'm timeless. I have no age. 
For age is a number that was created for you, not me. I'm from the beginning and I will be long past anything you can ever imagine being the end. You're only 50. You're not even 50. Like what was 50 anyway? Is 50 some magical number? What about you guys? I haven't hit 50 yet. I got a few years. I'll be there. It's coming quick. I remember when I thought 40 was going to be an eternity and then I blinked and it's here. And that's what he says to him. Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I was. Before Abraham was, I was. Is that what he says right here? No, he says before Abraham was Yahweh. Woof. Now you know why they want to kill him. He wasn't just saying I'm a part of God. He's saying I am God. Before Abraham was, I am. Who does he think he is? Exactly that. He is because he is the I am. So, of course, they all of a sudden were cut to the heart, bowed down in reverence to the Lord and worshiped him in that moment. All the scriptures came together in their minds that they've been thinking about and pondering about the Messiah for years and years in their life. And they just all of a sudden realized the I am is standing right in front of me and I need to just stop and worship God. Nope. Nope. They said, who does he think he is? The I am. How's he even know if he's saying it right? So they go to stone him. You ever think they thought about this moment, though? But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. What do you think that means? You ever play hide and go seek? Have you ever? Am I the only one that's played hide and go seek? You know, you don't have to make a noise, but every now and then you can just go. That helps me. This is a two-way street, even though I'm the one doing all the talking. You ever have somebody that cheats in hide-and-seek? Isn't that annoying? It's the most annoying thing. It ruins the game. I mean, who can hide from somebody if you're... Everybody starts in one place. Here, I'm going to close my eyes and count. But three seconds into it, they're going... Right? It ruins the game. Well, what is Jesus doing? Is he, is he in some dark corner while he's having this conversation? Or are they right there front and center with him? How does he hide himself? They're ready to stone him. What? Everybody turn their back to go grab a stone? Where'd he go? 
oh man, one of us should have watched him. I think he did a miracle. I don't think this is simple hide and seek, guys. I think he hid himself. Whatever that means. You can say camel like a chameleon. You can say he made himself invisible like the uh, cloak in Harry Potter. I don't care what you come up with. He hid himself. They could not find him. From plain sight to gone. You think any of them stopped to think about that? He just said he was the I am and he did something that I don't know. Not anybody I know can do. All right. All right. I got to get into it. So we were just talking about this in Sunday school, and I love when the Holy Spirit works like that because it just gives me more confidence that I'm on the right track. Because me and Paul did not talk about this, but this is exactly one of the passages he was talking about today. Jesus feeds the 5,000. This is where we're at. And Jesus feeds the 5,000. Everybody's seen this miracle from five loaves and two fish. That is not enough to feed my family after church on a Sunday. It's not. Go ask beefs. They will tell you that's an appetizer. And we need about three or four of those just to get started. And he feeds 5,000 people. Imagine being one of those people, seriously. Imagine being one of those people. And I also want you to see, when he starts talking to these people later, the, the similarities of that same conversation between those people and the woman at the well. There's leftovers. There's leftovers. Even if it wasn't a miracle, you got 5,000 people, you got five loaves of bread, and you got two fish. Even if the majority of the people don't eat, is there going to be leftovers? Not, no. Somebody's going to be putting that into like a, a boil so they can eat the bones too to try to get as much out of it as they can like those people do on a loan. There's leftovers. I want you to remember that. There's leftovers. The people are like, hold on. If he can do that with five loaves and two fish, I'm not leaving his sight. We'll never go hungry again. You know, it just takes a little bit and we'll have more than we can ever even imagine. You know, that happens in real life to this day. Still to this day, if you can make good things happen, people will surround you. Not all of them will be there because they love you. So he feeds the 5,000. Then he sends his disciples over to Capernaum. And yet again, did everybody, as soon as he got done feeding the 5,000, everybody's like, man, that was a great time. All right, we're going to go home. We'll see you maybe tomorrow. No, they were watching. They saw the disciples get in the boat without Jesus and leave. And then as they leave and they go, the the the. The people who were fed, these 5,000 people, they wake up the next day and they're looking for Jesus. They're like, I know Jesus didn't go over in the boat. I know he didn't go. He's gone. He's gone. When did you leave? Where did you go? Now, Paul brought up something very curious this, this morning in Sunday school class that I want to talk about because here's the reality. They leave before Jesus. Jesus goes to pray and have some time by himself, which... 
If you read scriptures, you know that was a sacred time for him because it barely ever got, it really hardly ever got to happen where he was by himself. Which, by the way, if you feel that way in ministry, realize you're in good company. And he gets the, the disciples that get into the boat and they, they go, start to go across the boat and this storm rises and it, it, it hinders their travel. The wind's blowing from the wrong direction. The waves are constantly beating them back and it hinders their travel. To the point where Jesus is taking a stroll to the other side of the lake, walking on the water, and he catches them. And here goes Jesus. He doesn't come up to the boat and go, Hey guys! Don't worry, I'm here! It's not what he does. He's walking, and they see him, and they start to actually... You ever got those friends that are like, a little extra imagination? My sister was the worst. My sister, Megan, I hope you're watching this, Megan. My sister was the worst. She was. Anything could happen, and it was a ghost. Or it was the boogeyman outside. And, oh, I have to be honest with you, I loved it. I loved that she was that way. It made life so much more fun for me. In fact, I'm probably the reason she's still that way. She told me, actually her husband told me not that long ago, she go, he goes, you know, she still has to sleep with a nightlight. I said, oh yeah? That's strange. He goes, it's your fault. <laughs> I'm like, yes it is. <laughs> yeah, I'm terrible. So here's that moment. Jesus is walking across the water and they're going, oh my goodness, it's a ghost. Look, it's a ghost. It's a ghost. Nobody can walk on water. It's got to be a ghost. You know, every time I read this, I think to myself, like, how many miracles did he have to do before they realized he could do anything? And rather than coming up with the ghost story, the first thing they should have said was, well, maybe that's Jesus just doing another thing we never thought he could do. And that's what happens, right? Some are like, oh, it's, I don't know. It looks like a ghost to me. It looks like something scary. I've never seen it before. And others are like, I think that's, I think that's Jesus. And Paul brought up a question this morning that I wanted to answer from here. Which was, why was Jesus walking by? You know, storms are going to come and go in your life. Just like this. And they're going to hinder your progress. The waves are going to beat against you. The wind's going to be blowing the wrong direction. And you are going to be fighting through it. And you're going to feel like, what can I do except for row? Just keep rowing. Just like um, Dora in, in, in Finding Nemo, just keep swimming, right? No. Wrong. Wrong. Everybody's like, what? No, wrong. Why was Jesus walking by? He's waiting for somebody to call out to him. That's why. In your storms in life, God isn't expecting you to do it by yourself. He's waiting for you to call out to him. 
really call out to him with real fervor and reverence in your heart of hearts down to the depths of your soul. You can't do this on your own. You need him. So the crowd comes across. I got to do this part fast, so bear with me. Pay attention. We're going to go real fast now. The crowd comes across. They get in boats. They come across. None of them get to walk on water. They have to do it the regular way. And when they get to the other side, they're like, last night you were over there. This morning you're over here. And I know you didn't get in a boat. And he's like, yeah, I walked across the water. You know, looked like a good day. Waves were a little rough, but I'm pretty experienced. Oh, he doesn't even tell him that, does he? In fact, he says the thing to them that he also says to the woman at the well, really. They say, where'd you go? He says, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves, right? Hey, Lord, if you can give me that water and I don't ever have to go to the well again, give it to me. He says, you did it because you thought, I'll never have to be hungry again. He, then he says, do not do the work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And this is the part I want you to hone into right here. This is the meat of the message today. What must we do to be doing the works of God? Do you know? Can you answer that before we get there? What's your work? What's your work? What does God consider, straight from his mouth, what does God consider work? Maybe we should say your first part of your work or your first work. Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. Because you know what? Once you believe, everything changes. And it happens at different paces for different people because people are in different places when they come to him. And you might be in the perfect spot. You might be the seed that's in the perfect soil when you come to him. And you might shoot up in a way that you don't see hardly anybody else shoot up before. Don't let it go to your head. It wasn't you. It was God who was causing the growth in you. Some come from that place where they got to fight through the thorns and the thistles. Some come from that place where, you know what? They really shouldn't even have grown at all because they were scattered on the concrete. And what really goes on the what really grows on concrete? It almost seems impossible, but it still happens. Your work is to believe in him. 
And let God's word live in your heart. And that'll be all you'll ever need to make the changes you need to make in your life. Just take him at his word. God will do the rest. Verse 31, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness that is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And he did. He gave them bread to eat. They were full. You know what, though? The next day they were hungry. But he sustained them. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. Heaven, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. See how it's so similar to the woman at the well. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He's talking about that from a physical perspective. Those of you who have come to Jesus, do you no longer have hunger pains? Do you never get thirsty? But I said to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. You have what all of us wish we could have. That one experience, that one moment, that one conversation with God, face to face, flesh to flesh. He says, y'all are having it. And yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, look at this part, I will never cast out. Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. I'm going to read the rest of this real quick and then we're going to go back to that to finish. For I've come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all. That I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last days. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last days. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. You know, next week when we do communion, that's our manna. That's our bread of life. And unless I eat of it, I can't have eternal life. See, unless I not only accept what God has done for me, but participate. That's dying to self, but also eating that feast, eating that meal, remembering what we're living for. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. This is my flesh. Take and eat it in remembrance of me. I want to go back. 
to this moment. Because here's what I want you to understand. One, and we're going to, by the time we get to the end of this, we're going to make this as clear as possible. We're going to repeat this statement so many times you're going to be like, oh man, I hope it's time for a new series. Well, the first thing I want you to understand is Jesus is literally telling them, I am. There is no one else. There is no other way. I am. Everything you've been waiting for, everything that's going to bring you salvation, everything that's going to have you not only have eternal life, but be raised in the last days is of me. I am that. That is what you are looking at and experiencing. I am that. I am what I am. So have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you been washed in his blood? Have your sins forgiven? Receive eternal life. Eternal life. Who can even fathom? Who can really even understand? Eternity is like a concept. We can get it, but do we really get it? Of course you can't. Because everything dies. Everybody's time's up eventually. Everything's corroded and corrupted. Eternal life. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And for those of us who have, look, life sends the storm. Call out to God in the storm. Not just in the storm, but especially in the storm. Don't just keep rowing. Don't just keep swimming on your own. Call out to God. And remember this. What God has given to Jesus, nothing can cast out. The only thing that can rob you of your own salvation is you. So keep rowing. Keep swimming. While you're calling out to God. Because even in those moments, you know what the devil's really good at? He's, he's good at making you feel like, oh, I must have done something, Job. I must have done something wrong to the point to where I deserve this. He's really good at making you feel like, oh, if God really loved you, he wouldn't let this happen to you. You're, you're... If God was real, he would do something about this. He's good at that stuff. Call out to God. He is the bread of life. Where are you at today? Have you accepted him as your Lord and Savior? And are you relying on him every single day? If there's a need to respond to the invitation, you can come as together we stand and sing. There's a fountain free just for you and bless
Thank you, Matt, for that lesson. Thankfully, we talked about the bread of life. Gets us ready for lunch next, too, as well as prepare us for our eternal life. Um, I'll go ahead and uh, segue that, actually, on the bookmarks. The bookmarks that we've been talking about, the people we've asked you to pray on, who needs the I Am? Who needs the bread of life? And as you pray on these people, look for opportunities, the opportunities to share the gospel with them, the opportunities to share the light. Uh, we all need the bread of life and you know people who need it worse. So keep those people on your mind on your bookmarks. Um, one announcement about the compassion card people. If you write the compassion cards, they're meeting in room eight today. So after this, the compassion cards will be in room eight. Um, prayer list. Uh, we've got a lot of people on the prayer list. Uh, you know how to get them off there? Pray for them. That's probably the best way. Pray for them. It works. So we'd like to see like a smaller prayer list. but. Uh, ironically, the, um, the community has noted that we are known for prayer. So people from the community are reaching out to us for prayers. So even if you don't know who April is, pray for April, you know, because it's, it's there. She's a, she needs that. Um, you individualize what the needs of the world are. It, it's almost scary. I uh, talked to some people the other day at one of my vendors that they, uh, they said they prayed for stuff, but they but they would have got this and they forgot that. And I said, you could go on forever. What you didn't get to pray for, but there's always needs. Um, prayers are answered with Rachel Wall. She had tests this week and her kidney and heart are doing very well. So it's a great thing for Rachel. She has that every, uh, every year or less than a year. She has to get scanned again. So we're glad that's all holding up a good. Uh, Michael O'Neill's sister, her husband did pass away. So we asked for prayers for her. And I know he's planning to go see her very soon, if not today. See there today? Very soon, anyway. So I know he's going to go see her. Um, Joe Vanover has a she has dry macular degeneration. I guess I never knew, but there's a dry and a wet. But there's never been a treatment for the dry. But now there is one, and she began treatment for that. So pray for Joe, and hopefully that will work out good too. Uh, Larry Morris used to go to church here. He's the brother-in-law of Paul Securo. Um, he's having an echocardiogram to determine possible valve replacement. Uh, Gigi Rizcala, her knee. She needs an MRI very soon. Uh, Angel Harvey has a virus, and but Angel has MS, and the viruses uh, bother her very much so. Uh, Pam Gertis is doing better with the COVID, but Doug Gertis is down with the COVID. So Pat, pray for the Gertises. Um, like I said, there's several other ones. Grab your prayer list and pray for all of them. Continue to pray for Mitzi. Continue to pray for Leah Robinson and Bobby Securo. Um, long term, pray for them. This week... Thursday is Senior Adults Game Day. Senior Adults Game Day, and by request, we are having the half pipe brought in for skateboarding. Um, I was asked if rollerblades were okay, and no, they're just not safe. So don't break rollerblades. Uh, 
So anyways, have a good time with the senior adult game day. Uh, I know it looks like a good time, and I know a lot of people just, they, uh, they come because they just need that time together. So that's, that's a great thing. Uh, ladies class on Wednesday is going to go to lunch at a local restaurant. I suggest the Waffle House, but hey, I'm not a lady, so have fun with time. Um, tonight, Matt's going to talk about Joshua, part three of his Joshua, Son of Nun. And on Wednesday, he promises to finish Romans. We thought he was going to finish this past week, but he got sidetracked. Uh, he promised to finish Romans this Wednesday, so join us if you can. Let your light shine in a world that desperately needs it. Would you stand please while we sing our closing hymn and remain standing for the prayer that follows. Be with me, Lord, I cannot live without thee. I do not try to take one step Dear Heavenly Father, once again, thank you for a beautiful morning, an opportunity to come here and gather in your name. Thank you for prayer, the power of prayer, and thank you for answering prayers, Father. Father, a short time ago, I was given a card, a bookmark, and I was asked to put 10 names on that card. And Father, I've done so. And I pray for those 10 names. And I pray for the names on all the book cards that look like mine. I pray, Father, that they one day will know what I know. That, Father, that they too can go through this world and never thirst again. Father, I pray for your continued strength and your encouragement. I, I pray that patience, wisdom, and the power that your Son Jesus Christ gave to me so that I too can be a light shining on a hill that they can look to. All these things in your Son Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen.